makes us lollygaggers as well. We are going <laughs> to lollygag around some sports tonight. This is Lollygagging Sports. I'm your host, Bo Reed, along with Samantha Button and Matthew Irby. Uh, Samantha, let's let's jump right into the into the fire here because we've got some we've got something we haven't had in, in quite some time. Um, we've got uh, a little bit of home run chase fun, so to speak. Now, Albert's already hit his dinger. He's at 700. He got two in the game last week to get that done. So let's, let's talk about Judge, who's still sitting on 60. Now, as we record this podcast, which is, again, on Wednesday nights we record this, he still has not hit home run number 60. So if he hits it between now and when this posts tomorrow, feel free to hit me on Twitter about that. But for right now, we're on 60. So, Samantha, do you have any thoughts here on where we're at with that before we get more into our home run chase conversation? I mean, I have lots of thoughts on that and why we are making a big stink about it. Is that is that where we're going now? Yes. You can go there. Right into this. Absolutely. Like, okay. So, <laughs> Albert, tremendous, huge accomplishment. To hit 700 home runs. I don't care who you play for. I don't care what your deal is. That is incredible. It's awesome. I love that we had this. It's a guy who everybody can root for. Super cool. Like, wonderful for the sport, wonderful for everybody. Judge, like, look, Yankee fans, this is not for you. I totally get why you guys are excited about this. Like, that's great. Like, if I had a player who previously held the home run record and I had a guy who was about to break it, I'd be excited too. But why are we, as, like, a baseball-watching community, making such a big stink out of a guy whose only accomplishment, if he breaks it, I have to say if now because we've been stuck at 60 for, like, five days, but if he breaks it, or I guess first he's got to tie it, if he ties it, <laughs> right. is a team record. This is a team record. It's also an American League record, which no one cares about. I defy any of you to tell me the last time you said, well, the American League record is. This is not a thing. <laughs> so he's not going to break the single season home run record. He's not even close to it. And by the way, if he was, I would be the first person on the Aaron Judge train because I just want that record to be clean. But he's not going to break that. He's going to break Roger Maris's record for single-season home runs, which has been broken twice since Roger Maris held it. So he's not the first person to surpass this. This is ridiculous. Like, like again, Yankee fans, yes, super exciting, right? Like, you always want your own team record broken. That's great. Why are the rest of us acting like he is about to break Barry Bonds' single-season home run record? Or if you believe in fairness and integrity, Mark McGuire's single-season home run record. Roger Maris, not the record holder. Any way that you look at it, nobody is disputing that. So we're going to make a big kerfuffle out of a guy breaking a team record because it's the Yankees. This is the stupidest thing ever. We're having live look-ins in the middle of football games to watch this guy get walked. It's absurd. Like, it, this is like, if the Pujols thing is at one end of the spectrum, this is at the other. This is so dumb. Like, yes, if it's your team, Super. Great. Good for you. For the rest of us, like, he's having a great season. It ends there. It's not a record. This is not a record. Oh, my I, I'm so upset about that. I'm very, very angry about this. Like, oh, I, I can tell. Okay, well, you know, I'm, I, I'm probably out on this limb alone. 
But I feel like Irby might actually feel just as strong as you on this one. So, Irby, how about you? What are your thoughts here? I, you want to start with Judge or you want to start with Pujols? Start with Judge, right? Whatever you would with, like to do. Whatever, however you want to go. Oh, it's what I want. Well, I, th- yeah, then 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 uh, then let's start with Albert. I, I because that's what I would, yeah. It's th- th- this is wonderful. Um, I say that I were chatting as it happened. Um, it's one of my all-time favorite messages from her because she literally in a text message is stopped the text message, didn't delete it, just went ahead and sent a half message so that she could respond to Albert hitting number <laughs> seven hundred. Amazing. No, 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 totally agree, totally agree. <laughs> Love it that, that I get a half message, and it, it's wonderful that I get the message as I'm looking at it, the ellipsis is there, I'm like, ah, I know what you just did, well done. Um, so cool for him to hit 700, finally get that. I know there was some concern um, a week, week and a half ago where it seemed like he kind of hit a lull that he gets, but, but boy, he took care of it. And two in the same day is wonderful as well. Uh, hopefully, I, I don't know. A part of me hopes he just stays there at 700. So wonderful record, a record that's going to stand for a long time because if you look at the active guys, <laughs> fifth place in the active is not even halfway to Albert right now. Okay, I, 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 we got Cabrera at 506, Cruz at 459, and then we quickly jump down to Stanton's at 375, Trout 347. So yeah, and we talked about this where it's going to hold for a while, but. Lovelet for um, Albert. Wonderful, wonderful. And um, I guess I have to interrupt my own segment here to bring you an Aaron Judge update, right? Because like Samantha said, we all need to have our freaking lives interrupted for Aaron Judge at bats. I, I, you said it wonderfully. I'll, I'll just continue on. It's, this is stupid. It is not. Yeah, I 100% agree. If you are breaking the tainted 73 Yes, let's put this on. Let's all watch this. But it's not. You're breaking a team record, and it's because of where the team is located. I understand all that, but I don't care, okay? I pay way too much to stream multiple networks because I want to watch what I want to watch. That's the world we live in now. So if I'm sitting down and watching my damn college football game, don't interrupt it. Holy crap. That was the stupidest thing since we interrupted the NBA finals for OJ. Oh, and man. even then, that <laughs> might have been a might, might have been a good decision. I don't know. But still, you interrupted the NBA finals for OJ. This is the same thing. And I and I can hear the well, it's a split screen. I don't, I don't care about split screen. Okay? We have we are in an era of media where we can watch what we want to watch. If I want to watch women's volleyball tonight, I can do that. If I want to watch Stephen F. Austin embarrass themselves and win a football game 98 to nothing, I'm allowed to do that. Okay? That's what we pay for. We pay a premium for it. So don't interrupt it with something stupid. Okay? Don't do it. Tired of it? No. I paid for football. Let me watch football. If people want to watch this, that's fine. You can watch this, and you can see it, and I'm happy for you if you hit it. He hasn't done it in a while now, and it's kind of weird, but still, if you want to watch that, you can do that. I don't want to. Don't let, I don't, I'm not watching it, so mm, no. Just either do it or don't. I'm almost at the point now, I'm like, get this over with so we can stop with the 
eight notifications a day of Aaron Judge in the lineup tonight. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Got it. Got it. You can watch live right now. Got it. Stop. <laughs> Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. <laughs> I would, so I, 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 I want to point this out for, for, for you new listeners out there. Uh, anytime one of us has a rant like that, we, we pull out the old Mike Gundy audio clip because it's, it's still to this day one of my favorite audio clips of all time. Now, I also want to be clear about this. That was for both of you. I thought it was going to be a little, be a little much to play it twice. It's never too much. <laughs> this is the greatest random of all time. Oh. So, that's why I, I was just going to let you both go because I knew you had a lot to say about this particular record. <laughs> that's may or may not be about to fall. I mean, judges running out of at bats here to get this done. Uh, he, he really is. So let's. <laughs> that was fantastic. He'll get it. You know. You want to know why he'll get it? Because in a little while, the Astros are going to win their game, and they're going to clinch the one seed, and the Deans can't catch the Yankees. So the Yankees are about to be locked in at the two seed. So at that point, if he wants this, he can swing for the fences. The interesting thing will be what matters more to judge, the triple crown or this re- or this whatever it is. That's what will be interesting to see what he does with his at-bats. Okay, so how about this? Let's pivot to what happens if he does it, Samantha. Let's talk about this because what I found very interesting about the Pujols bomb was the fan who has every right to do this. Let me say this again for those of you that disagree with this. The fan has every right to keep the ball. They don't have to give it back to the player. They want to sell it back to the player, fine. They want to to give it back to the player, Fine, that's what happened with McGuire when he broke Maris's record back when it was actually the record. He got it back from the grounds crew kid. Like, you don't have to give the ball back, and that's what this fan that caught number 700 has chosen to do, chosen to keep the ball. You're the fan, Smith. Let's say you're the fan. You catch it. What are you doing? And I'm not, I'm not talking about 62 times, you know, all over again, because that's all this is. It would be 62 again, like you said earlier on in the show. So you're the fan. What do you do if you catch number 700 for Albert Pujols? What's your game plan? Well, in, I guess it's if you're asking me what I would do, like if I caught number 700 like this year, I would just give it back. Um, but I, I have a reason for that. And I feel very strongly that, you know, as you mentioned, that the rules say that once that ball is in the stand, it belongs to you if you catch it. So you can do whatever you want with that ball. And the reason that I would give the ball back is not because I think it's wrong to keep the ball. It's because I can afford, at this point in my career and life, <laughs> to give that ball back without monetary compensation. Like, if, if I caught that thing when I was, like, 23, there's no way I'm giving that ball back, right? That's life-changing right. money for you, you know? Like, when I was, like, 23, I think I made, like, $30,000 a year It's like, my rent was like 90% of my income or something like that. Like, so it's, there's a, I think you have to kind of be cognizant of the fact that like for a lot of people, this could change their life because that ball is worth so much money. Now I feel differently about things like, let's say pick a random dude, you catch some random guy's first major league home run. You should give that ball back because that, what's that thing going to be worth? Like at most a couple of hundred bucks, 
like, that's not going to change your life. You should give the ball back. It means more to him than it does to you. But if we're talking about something that is going to sell for upwards of, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, in this case, millions of dollars, like, if you need that money, you should sell it. Like, remember that the person who hit it makes hundreds of millions of dollars. They can buy that ball back at auction mm -hmm. if they want it that badly. Or, I mean, think about the, I mean, we have a wonderful example in what happened with Roger Maris when he broke the record. Just really tremendous situation. The, the man who caught it, it's a great story, was just a, like he was a kid. He was broke. He was there with his girlfriend, uh, who later becomes his wife. And she actually had to loan him 10 bucks so he could go to the game. And he, despite this, um, tried to give the ball back to Roger Maris. And Roger Maris said, you should sell that. It's it, it's yours. You should sell it. And he did for $50,000. And he put a down payment on a house. And he proposed to his girlfriend, who eventually became his wife. They're still together. By the way, very old, but still together. And the guy who bought the ball was a big Yankee fan. And that guy could afford to pay for that. And he bought the ball. And he gave the ball back to Maris. So it's like this wonderful example where everybody involved was just like a good human. And it all worked out, and the person sold the ball, and it was absolutely the right decision on the part of every single person involved in this. So you got to do what's best for you. Because the contracts that Major League Baseball makes with you when you buy a ticket to a game and you go into that ballpark is that if a ball comes into the stands and it ends up in your hands, that ball belongs to you. So if that's going to change your life, you should sell that ball. Like, remember, just remember that that player can absolutely afford to buy that ball back if it's that important to them. Your life might be completely different if you were able to sell that ball. If you can give it back, that's great. If you can't, I wouldn't blame you a bit. <laughs> Irby, how about you? You can't set, you can't set balls a fan, be it 700, be it 60, 62. What are you doing with it? I, well, first of all, I, I and thank you for the story. That's a great story. Curious about that. Is it even the guy's ball? Like, shouldn't it have been his girlfriend's? Because she bought the ticket, <laughs> technically. That's so, a fair point. Fair point. She yeah. better have got a nice house and a nice engagement ring out of that. So, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a good point. Like, I mean, you have an argument, right? If you broke up. That like I didn't benefit from this and I paid for it. Like, is it the person who gets hands on the ball, or is it the person who paid for your opportunity to get hands on the ball? Interesting. Yeah, interesting. That's a don't think hey, that would be open court, but <laughs> <laughs> don't think there's not a lawyer that would jump on that one. <laughs> but uh, I so yes, thank you for what you're saying. I I was the same when I was I was younger and always wanted to be. Oh, it'd be so cool. I've always said that I would love to have that opportunity to give it back to the player and get a picture with them and autographs and all those fun things, you know, autograph ball, bat, stuff like that. Yeah, that would be wonderful. And, and I always have believed, and I always believed that I would do that until the numbers like $2 million started tossing around. Now, <laughs> yeah, I'll take the cash. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's because of like what Samantha said. That's, that's, I mean, that for kids and stuff like that, like that is just, yeah, yeah, I'll, because, and, and the best point about, the player, Albert Pujols, would have no problem <laughs> dropping four mil to get that ball back on, on the back end from that dealer. So, yeah, that is – now, I, I'd probably profit off it now. You know, before, when it wasn't sure about how much money, you know, and, and that's another debate of, like, what, what, what would be the dollar figure? But, 
Yeah, when there's two commas in the conversation, it's going to be hard to be like, yeah, sure, I'll take this for a signed baseball bat. No, I'll take the two commas. <laughs> I mean, commas are a little bit better than a baseball bat, let's be honest. How about the player perspective, Samantha? Let's talk about let's – just, let's just focus well, wait, on – Well, wait, before we do that, though, Bo, what would you do? What would you do with the ball? Ooh. I'd sell it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, 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 s- play. I'd sell it. I mean, I, I, I guess also in a way to like, it's like you said, like, you know, these, at this point, specific, like specifically the 700 ball, at that point, the player that hit that many home runs has made a lot of money in Major League Baseball. So if they really, really, really wanted that ball, they'd, they'd, they'd pay to get it back. Whereas I could definitely pocket a couple of commas. You know, so of course I I would sell it. Uh, I would prefer to sell it to the player. Be like, hey man, why don't we just cut out the middleman? <laughs> Give me a couple of million, we'll call it a day. Um, you know, that's that's what I would do. Um, but then again, I mean, look, there there are people out there that are like, yeah, give it back to the player, give it back to the player. Well, if they want it, they can get it. Uh, I well, love- that was genius. That was genius what you just said. That okay, I want to change my answer. Cut the middleman no, out. I w- <laughs> Yes, no, 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 not even that. I want their next contract. Like, they play next season, and I get all of that money. Ooh. How amazing that would be, knowing a player's playing a season, and I'm getting paid that. (laughs) Somebody in the face. Now you're like that weird pyramid scheme that came up in the minors with those, remember, where they were loaning money? Yeah. Like, like the, you were investing in like basically paying back your own futures to like fund like rent money for minor leaguers who were making like twelve dollars an hour. <laughs> right, and that's wrong there. But Albert Pujols, yeah, he's going to be fine. I'm like Albert, you're going to play yeah. one more season for the Cardinals, and what's it be signed at one point five million? I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Here's somebody heckling him in the stands. I pay your salary. No, you're paying me. No, you're paying my salary, sir. (laughs) You're paying for my villa in South Florida. That's what you're doing. $100 for a game ticket? Yeah, no problem. I'm going to get this money back. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so I I did, Samantha, I did want to pivot to the player just for a second before we get into our our NFL topics this week. Uh, Specifically Pujols, because obviously Judge hasn't broken anything yet, and the way he's swinging the bat, I'm not sure he will. Uh, So let's talk about... Pujols, his reaction, like when he was, you know, people were asking him about the fan keeping the ball, and he said exactly the same thing I said off the top. Hey, he wants to keep it, keep it. That, that's 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 his ball. I've got I've got the jersey, I've got the gloves, I've got the cleats, I've got I've got all this other stuff from this special moment in my career. Let him keep the ball. So from a player standpoint, like I don't think that that's an outlier. I, I think that's how all these players are going to feel about it. Of course, you have some that are egotistical jackasses. They're going to want that ball back. No one. They're going to think they owed that ball back, and all they have to do is trade a bat or a jersey or whatever to the player. But Pujols didn't go that direction. Well, and what's one of the reasons why we love Albert Pujols so much, right? Because he's just a great guy. Like, look what happened with that one. I think it was number, was it 698 or 696? I can't remember where that woman caught it. And she was talking about... 696, where she was a couple, and she had said that her father had passed away a year ago to the day, um, and that they, they both loved Pujols, and, you know, and she tried to give the ball back, too, and Albert said, this ball means more to you than it does to me. You yeah. 
And I, there's so many examples of stuff like this. I mean, some of them are just funny. Like the, what's the, the Jay Buhner one where the guy caught Jay Buhner's first home run and he just stood there like waiting for someone to come find him in the stands, like to bargain for it. And he was going to give it back and nobody came. Mm-hmm. So the guy came back to the game the next night and like flagged down Jay Buhner, like standing in the outfield um, during batting practice. And was like, yo, I, I caught your ball last night. Like, do you want it? And J.B. was like, no, I'm going to hit more. You keep that one. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just absolutely outstanding. And it shows you that, like, I think these guys, like, there is a contingent of people who are just jerks who feel like that's my ball. I own it. How dare you not give it back to me? And there's guys who I think have, like, almost a talismanic feeling about it where they're not necessarily being a jerk, but it matters to them. They want that ball, right? And I, I think that most guys who are good guys, which is going to be most people in baseball, who if they feel that way, they're going to try to make sure you're fairly compensated for it. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm the player, I don't know. Like, you have so many accomplishments, like 700 hormones, like you have made more money than you can ever spend. You're going to the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. You have all these other things. You've got the bat, which is in a way more valuable than the ball right. in that situation. Like, I don't know that you need it, and it is probably going to be a lot more meaningful for the person in the stands who got it than it is to you, because it is one of so very many, and you have so many accolades and so many things to remember it by. But I also don't blame a player who wants it back. I mean, you got to play the game, right? you got to offer money or get the team to offer something or whatever, but like, again, the guy wants the ball back. I'm not judging for that. I'm just saying that I think for a lot of them it doesn't really matter, and certainly for a guy like Albert Pujols, who's just a, a really good human who just sort of immediately recognizes that like, he is not the person for whom that ball is going to have the most meaning. Whether we're talking about somebody who wants a sentimental value like 696, or somebody who's going to change their life financially like number 700, Pujols definitely a guy who gets it, and that's why we love him so much as fans. It's also worth noting that Pujols was probably around when Maris hit that home run and, and saw Maris's reaction. Maybe that's why he had that one. It's possible. Ernie, <laughs> <laughs> how about you? Any thoughts on that before before we move on to football? Yeah, this kind of goes back to what I was saying before. So I, I again love what Albert did, and I want to believe that I would react the same because for me, I, the baseball is not as important. I, I, the bat's more important. Like, it's just, a, I, I, I get, and this gets almost into a physics question here of, like, the ball, yes, it is the ball that was hit and traveled out and everything, but it's not like a different ball. It's like, no, it's the gloves that I use. It's the bat. It's the cleats I wore that day. I could live with the fact, being in Albert's position of, like, it, it's the bat for me. The bat yeah, means a whole lot more than the ball. That was hit out. And so that's why I, I totally understand Albert's thing. It's like, no, I have the jersey, the bat, the gloves, the cleats, everything that I hit it out. It just happened to be this ball. It wasn't like a special ball for his at bat or anything like that. But um, also, as much as I love all those things, I would love for in a situation like this for the batter to have gotten an inside the park home run. Um, granted, <laughs> Albert's at 700. That would have been unbelievably amazing, and we would never forget it, just like we never talked. I'll talk about Benji Molina hitting for the cycle. I was about to love say. love to Albert. Yeah, Albert gets 700 on an inside the parker. It would have been amazing to see and, and also hilarious. <laughs> you know, Benji Molina licking out that triple to get that cycle. I feel like Pujols is a little bit faster than that. So I'm not ruling anything out on what could have happened. And I agree with you. I would much prefer the inside the park job. 
That would have been a great story. All right, Smith, anything else on this before we get to football? No, no. I think that's about it. Just we love Albert. We're so happy. I mean, he's 85 years old, and he hit 70 home, 700 home runs. Tremendous. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, right. Oh, you know, one thing I did want to mention in the wake of the, the frustration that I think a lot of us have about the fact that he's clearly not going to break Bond's record, um, right. and we don't love that Bond holds both of the records that are important um, in the home run arena, and a lot of us really hate that because they are painted. But... 700 home runs and 3,000 hits, there's only two people in that club. And that is Hank Aaron and Albert Pujols, which is tremendously good company to be in. And I love that the only two people who have accomplished that are people who we can be immensely proud of. Can we just call that the good guy club? Can we call? Can we make that the valuable record? Like, let's just change the standard. The That's group. now what matters. <laughs> like, yeah. You got to be in the good guy club. Yeah. That works for me. <laughs> All right, let's get into our football slate. We've got a few games we're going to look at uh, going into uh, week four. of the, Man, how is it week four already, Samantha? Like, my goodness. These football seasons just go faster and faster. It's already week four. Wow. I mean, it feels like week 15 to me, but... You know. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I don't have your job, so that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's, let's get into this. We're going to start off with Dolphins. Our Cincinnati to play the Bengals, and man, before this season started, that would have been you know advantage Bengals, but these Dolphins are are proving to be a little bit more than I than well than I expected. I'm not going to speak for you two, uh, but let's talk about the Bengals first. Uh, they're they're making some adjustments, Samantha, on that offensive line, but they don't really have a lot to work with to try to to keep Burrow from getting absolutely destroyed when he drops back to pass. Yeah, I'm nervous about this team. And, like, you know, we keep saying, we said it before, I mean, we knew there was going to be a, a step back for them. The Super Bowl hangover, very real. This is a team that was lucky to get as far as they did. They definitely played above their own heads. And they've had an offensive line issue that stretched all the way back to last season. This was a problem even when they made it all the way to the Super Bowl. They were very fortunate that it did not affect them more than it did. So we knew this was going to come up again. They did a few things in the offseason. I think most of us were pretty disappointed um, for the most part of the overall in the Bengals offseason. They failed to address a lot of things that they probably could have and should have addressed. And it's not fixed. So one game goes by and we think, okay, well, Joe Burrow, I don't know, maybe he misses his appendix. I don't know. You know maybe that, that was helpful to him. Like, I don't know. Or maybe he's just not 100% after coming off of surgery. It is pretty major surgery despite the fact that they downplay things like this in football because we all pretend that they're superhuman. But I'm nervous about this team. Um, I think it's weird that they're favored in this game. Very, very bizarre considering the way that yeah. the seasons have gone. Um, you know, I've heard the hurricane used as an excuse, which is just ridiculous. Like the glomming on to the hurricane, the fact that it's like, oh yes, our team plays their home game somewhere near a place that frequently has hurricanes. Is that anything to do with what's going on here? No. Game is being played in Cincinnati. This hurricane is not headed for Miami. Like so many things, it's just a ridiculous, like over dramatization of weather. Um, but why is the line like this? Like, what does Vegas know that we don't know? It makes me nervous. No things, but yeah, I don't love this. I mean, I, I will say this: Miami's defense has not particularly sold me so far. Um, they 
They've not given any reason to think that they can't get to Burrow. But that is one thing we have not seen a lot of evidence of yet. So another opportunity, I think, for Miami to prove themselves that the, the team that really needs this and that <laughs> has things that need to be proven, like right now is the Bengals. Like, you have got to fix this problem. And for no other reason than, like, you're going to get Joe Burrow killed. And if you don't have Burrow, there goes your season, which is already in trouble even with him out there. It's actually laughable that people are using the hurricane as an excuse. The hurricane was never going to hit Miami. Like, at any point this week, was it going to hit Miami? Tampa, yeah, sure, they had to relocate to Miami for the for practices. Maybe you can make an argument there. Come on, man. Stop making excuses like that. That's just stupid. Irby, how about you? How do you feel about the Bengals going into this? I, you got a little bit of momentum. They finally got their first win. Granted, it was the Jets, but it, you know, hey, road game. It's a win in the NFL, so it's a W. You're moving in the right direction. You couldn't fall 0-3. We know enough stories about 0-3 teams and playoffs. Um, so yeah, game out of your division. You got the win. You're off. You're moving in the right direction. So positive there. Home game against a you know a Miami team that we're starting to pay attention to. So. I, Cincinnati, look, the concerns, yes, I 100% agree with the the offensive line concerns, definitely have the exact same. Uh, and will it get better? I, I'm, this is the hope of as you go out, go through the season, you will begin to see those things improve slowly but surely. Um, but, I, I, you know, we'll see. This is a tough matchup for Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati's got this. they got Baltimore after this as well. So, I... I you're staring one and four right in the face. And and Cincinnati's going to have to take some serious steps forward. Again, you've got the momentum, and, and we've talked many times about momentum, and it is the Jets, but whatever. It's a win. You're feeling good. I mean, after taking the two losses, it's tough coming to practice. It's tough in that locker room, but you got the win, so you're feeling like things are starting to come together. So big game. Yeah, I agree. This is a huge game for Cincinnati. You get this win. You end there on their perfect streak, and you're starting to feel like, okay, we're, we're, we're back to where we – you know, not back to where we were, but we, we're getting back on track for this season. Samantha, let's switch over to uh, to the Dolphins and Mike McDaniel because I think this is a good time to have a chat about <clears throat> Mr. McDaniel because I love what he's doing with these Dolphins. <clears throat> his, he's going offensively. Uh, he's he's spinning around back and forth between tempo. He's, he's using RPO. He's, he's putting themselves in positions to do what they can do at that moment. I love that. I love that about him. Where are you at here with the Dolphins going into week four? I'll start by saying that I completely agree with you. I am so impressed with Mike McDaniel so far. I mean, I know we're only three games in, so we all need to pump the brakes a little bit, but one of the biggest knocks on first-time head coaches that, that we make all the time is that they are terrible at in-game adjustments. Like, they don't have a feel for it. They're really in over their heads. It's, you know, wherever you've come from, whether you were a coordinator or a position coach, whether you coached in college, that being able to make situational decisions in the middle of an NFL game is really, really hard. And a lot of guys fail miserably at it when they first get there, and then they adjust, and they're fine. But it's pretty rare to see somebody who does so well at this right off the bat. And Mike McDaniel has been tremendously good at this so far. So I am incredibly impressed by that. I'm also impressed with the way that he has, uh, let's say, rejiggered that offense. Um, look, Tua, I mean, it's 
a little bit apples to hammers, as Irby would say, <laughs> to say, oh, well, look at Tua a year ago. Well, Tua a year ago didn't have Tyreek Hill. So that's a very, very different situation. And I don't know that we can blame Brian Flores for not, like, you know, manifesting Tyreek Hill's presence in the form of a different receiver a year ago. But I love what McDaniel has done so far in terms of the way that he is coaching this team in every facet, both in-game and outside of. Um, I'm a little bit skeptical because I'm not part of QAnon. Um, and so I'm not, as much as I, I mean, Tua is a great kid and you want him to do well. And, and certainly he's not giving you any reason to think that he can't be better. But I'm not completely convinced that, like, a squeaker win over a Buffalo team whose defense was decimated by injuries a couple of days before you played them means all of a sudden you're the big dog in the AFC and that you are the favorite to win the AFC East all of a sudden and that you are expected to go deep in the playoffs. Like, do I think they're a postseason team one way or the other? Absolutely. But I'm not even comfortable saying I think they're going to compete with the Bills for division right now. It's too early, too many problems. I have some issues with the talent on defense and while I'm Super impressed with McDaniel and with Tua so far. I need to see more. I also want to see them play the Bills in the snow, but that's neither here. Well, think about the (laughs) tremendous home field advantage that Miami has because that visitor's bench is right in the sun. It's the only part of the stadium where it's like 108 degrees. Everywhere else (laughs) is fine. It's just like I, I would love to give them credit for doing that on purpose, but I think it was just an accident. Like Bills are dying, and they were trying to run you know, they ran, like, 90 plays in that game. Like, everyone, like, was, like, heat stroke adjacent. So, yeah, <laughs> let's see what happens when you got to go find the snow in their turf. I do. I want to see that. <laughs> okay. Irby, how about you? Where, where are you at with the Dolphins going into week four? Hey, cr- credit where credit's due. You're 3-0. and You beat the Bills. You're feeling very, very good about yourselves and where you're going as a team. And, and Mike McDaniel. Wonderful, you know. I mean, we said that last week about the adversity. Great job, and hey, it's a wonderful start. You were three and zero, and, and and not against the easiest opponents: Patriots, Ravens, Bills. And you know, honestly, that's a schedule right there that they could easily be one and two, and we might be looking at the scores and how the games played out. Even the way they played out, they could be one and two, and we're like, look, yeah, Miami, that record's not great, but. This is a playoff team. Like, this is a team that's going to compete. This is a team that's going to beat, you know, win more games than they're going to lose, and you need to watch out for them. But they have found a way to, like Samantha, how you said, manage it at the end and find a way to win. And that is a wonderful skill to have and and credit there. So that's the positive. The the negative, no, I don't think this is the team to beat in the AFC. Um, The offense, sure, this is wonderful. Uh, when you run that many plays, you do put up a lot of yards, and by that, you put up a lot of points, and that's great, and they are highly ranked in that. But the defensive side, you're giving up just as much, if not more. You know, I, I granted you're 3-0, and so you have scored more points than your opponent, but peripheral, when you, we start looking at, at some of these stats, when we start looking at some of the things that are happening against their defense, it's not good, and it foretells losses it foretells problems against good teams okay and this is not brand new i'm not i'm not gonna this is not some new discovery we're making we've seen this with the chiefs a few years ago we've seen this with i i I don't want to say it but i'm going to but this looks like the cardinals of last year oh no wonderful start (laughs) great start 
but eventually things don't go well, things go bad, and and you you don't. I mean, they made the posting, but still, you you taper out pretty quick, and that's what this feels like. This feels like it's not that they're not going about it the same way. About by any means, saying two is the next Kyler. I think two is twice as big as Kyler, but still, it's what is happening, how you're winning the games, how you're going about business, because this defense is giving up third down conversions. This defense is giving up high pressure situation points. The offense is getting the job done on their end, but the defense is not doing it on theirs. And so that is where, you know, I, I drive time being another example. They're out there a lot. The defense is out there a lot. These kinds of things eventually bite you in the butt. And when it will happen, if you can fix it, lots of time to do those. But right now, great job, 3-0, and good start. you got to win on the Bills, but it is a long season, and the Cardinals of last year can tell you that. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question. They're just really red hot right now. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I do think that they're better than the Patriots. I, that's the only win so far this year, Samantha, that has not surprised me with the Dolphins, was the, the win over the Patriots. The Bills and the Ravens, yeah, both of those surprised. Look at halftime in that Ravens game. They're down 21. I can't believe they came back up on that game. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it's I, I think you can make the argument, you know, you guys mentioned one and two. I think you could make the argument that they could be 0-3 right now, and we would still be saying I think this is a pretty good team. Um, but – Technically speaking, I agree. I think they're a better team than the Patriots. They certainly are now that Mac Jones is out. So right. Poor, poor, sad Brian Hoyer will go back out there again um, with an offense that doesn't have an offensive coordinator. No one knows who calls the plays. And yeah, the Patriots are a mess right now. But um, I, yeah, I, Irby, is that maybe the meanest thing you've ever said? They look like last year's card. <laughs> like, this is, is this the new, you look like Blake Bortles? Oh. Um, look like last year. <laughs> it might be. I, hey, but we've had this three years in a row. It was the 2020 Steelers, 2021 Cardinals. Someone's got to pick up the torch. I Oh, man, that Steelers. That's right. That was the Washington football team hero ball season. Um, oh, along with Taylor Heineke. Oh, boy. And, and for the record, for, uh, for those of you out there that don't know Irby, that is as mean as he gets. It is. <laughs> it's really as mean as he gets. Okay, Samantha, let's pick this one. Who do you have here, Dolphins or Bengals? So this is the only game that I actually have not formally made my pick on. Well, I did on another show earlier where I had to make a pick, but I have not made my final pick on this one, so I guess I have to do it now. Um, I want to pick the Bengals so badly here, you guys. Like, I so, so badly want to do it. And I feel like it's probably pretty stupid. And yet, I don't think the Bengals are done. I'm suspicious because I always think Vegas knows things when they favor somebody that I am not expecting. And I'm not fully sold on Miami. So, like, you guys can all drag me on Twitter or whatever when I get this wrong. But, like, I'm going to go Bengals here. Ooh. The intrigue builds. Irby, how about you? I yeah, I'm I'm taking the same. I'm taking Cincinnati here, uh, and it's because of the short week is one of the main factors here for me. Miami coming off a very close, emotional, draining win over Buffalo. Uh, I know Cincinnati has a short week too, but I just that game uh, it just plays a lot for me uh, in getting prepared for this 
and going up to Cincinnati and traveling, all that. Just I just don't like it, and I like that. I think Cincinnati is starting to piece it together. So could be a this this surprisingly is going to be a, actually an entertaining Thursday night game, which is awesome for us. But glad that Thursday night can pull that off for us. Hopefully they will. Well, okay, so uh, I will be the outlier here because I'm taking the Dolphins. And the one thing I want to impress upon you guys, I, like this is probably going to tell you exactly what I feel about where they're at with Tua. I'm making that pick whether Tua plays or not. You can take that all kinds of different ways, however you want to take it. I'm taking, I'm taking the Dolphins here. But it's, You're a big Teddy Bridgewater fan. It's the smart way to think about it, though, because we don't really know what Tua's situation is right now. So that you're smart to think about it that way because we're not sure. He's probably concussed. Not that anyone will ever tell us that. And he definitely has a back issue. So that's smart. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Okay, uh, next on the docket, Samantha, the Vikings are in New Orleans to play the mess that is the Saints. So let's start with the Vikings first. Uh, all of a sudden, Green Bay looks vulnerable. I'm not gonna say beatable because I know this division. I don't know if the, I don't know if there's enough talent with the other three to do it. But if there is one out there, it is the Vikings. So what do they need to do? Is it easier to challenge if you're the Vikings? Is it easier to challenge the Packers this year than it has been the last couple of years? I think it is for a couple of reasons. Um, one of which is that even though the Packers are perpetually underwhelming, if you're new around these parts, your Packers fan just to hang them. Delete this podcast and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're going to hate us. Um, just fair warning. Um, if you're a Vikings fan, though, good news. Um, we almost believe in you because we want to. But look, the Packers took a step back for sure. Um, they're still the best team in the division as of right now, but I think they're a little bit more vulnerable than they were a year ago. Um, that's part of this. Also, the Vikings were an incredibly incompetently run team. A year ago, and now they at least appear to be competently run, if not necessarily well run. Um, I have zero opinions on Kevin O'Connell at this point. Um, it is way too early. He's not done anything that makes me, he hasn't Nathaniel Hackett it yet, where you're like, oh my goodness, this guy's a disaster. He's like Urban Meyer. And he's not Mike McDaniel, where you're like, wow, like this dude was, is legit. He's just, okay, he's there. It's fine. So they had an impressive win over the Packers in week one. That was great. We've also seen that before in seasons where the Packers come out and just embarrass themselves in the first game against the division rival. We saw this in the video. The Packers lost to the Bears in the first game. Yeah, that also happened. And the Packers will probably be fine regardless of that. But they keep winning. Um, they beat, you know, in, in a close matchup, a Detroit team that is not good but is headed towards being good and never gives up. Um, and in Minnesota, uncharacteristic for like a Kirk Cousins-led team, actually made a pretty impressive comeback. Um, so if we consider Cousins to be like the baseline average quarterback for like half the league is better, half the league is worse, like Kirk Cousins is like median and he will occasionally play like hero ball out of his mind and he will occasionally look like Nathan Peterman. Um, well, here's your opportunity to play that baseline game, right? Like Vikings Saints is like the ultimate, it's the average bowl. Um, although I think the Saints are way worse off than the Vikings right now. So oh, yeah. the Vikings, you have a tremendous opportunity here to go out and grab a win that if the Saints were not in the situation that they're in right now, if they were at full strength, uh, this would be a little bit 
uh, more of a tough call. It's still a tough call, I think. I think this is an incredibly difficult game to, to make a call on as far as who is going to win. But if I'm the Vikings, like you said, this is a year where you have an opportunity to like maybe, maybe vulture this division away from Green Bay. These are the ones you got to win if you want to stay in. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, this is one they have to win. Irby, how about you? Where are you at here with the uh, the Vikings? Is the Saints-Vikings maybe challenging the Packers? I, I, a moment ago, a few minutes ago, moments ago, I had some things I wanted to talk about, but then Samantha threw out the average bowl, and I can't focus anymore because this is the average bowl, and, and we need some, like, average, like, RC Cola is the spawn. The RC Cola average bowl, Minnesota, New Orleans, because it is. This is the average bowl. Well done. Well done throwing that out there. That was because that's Kirk Cousins. Do they still he, make RC Cola? Is that a thing? I don't know. Maybe I, I'm trying to think of something that's just average. Like, like it's not good. It's not bad. It's just like in the middle. You're like, eh, yeah, I've had an RC Cola. Yeah. yeah, it's like the, what is it? The, I don't know. Is it the Pizza Hut Bowl? Like, what is something that is like baseline Ugh. average for like its market? Um, but that's the thing, yeah. Like, you know, keep thinking about. It. But, but isn't this? But isn't this the thing that that makes perfect sense? What do we do with the average bowl? We send it over to London because we're force feeding right. the English. Here you go. You're gonna like it, no matter what. And that's what we have. Is here's the average bowl. You know that I'm sure in England they're wondering where's our Jaguars game because usually we get a Jaguars game by now. But here's the average bowl. You got I. I you have Kirk Cousins, 61, 60, and 2, so he's due for a loss to get himself right back to 500, although this might make sense for the tie here. Um, and then on the other side, you've got <laughs> you've got the Saints with Jameis Winston, who, yeah, four touchdowns, five interceptions, about, it, about where we thought. I, who also forgets that he has Alvin Kamara on his team, so I don't know. I, 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 I don't know what's going on here. Well, I mean, you asked, so I'm going to give you the answer. Let's talk about this as the quarterback mediocrity bowl. How's that? Let's do that, Samantha. What do you think? Because I'm, not, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at this matchup, and I'm thinking these are two teams that, I mean, Cooper Rush is the, is the, is the big talk right now in the NFL. He, he, was hit, he hit waivers. They could have had him. I know the Saints would definitely, this would be an upgrade for what they have, for sure, I'm not too sure that it would be an upgrade for the Vikings. So let's talk about these quarterbacks here, Samantha. What exactly are there any expectations at all for what you're going to see? I mean, poor Jameis has four broken bones in his back. Yeah. So, like, I mean, what do you even do with that? Like, four broken bones in his back. And, and he's going to go out there and let people hit him. Like, if I had four broken bones in my back, I wouldn't leave my house. Um, so that has taken the average bull in a different direction. Um, I, feel, I feel bad for him. <laughs> I feel bad for the Saints. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in a, on an average day, if we're assuming they're both healthy, then, okay, like, are they both, like, they're not the same guy, obviously, in terms of style of play. Totally different types of quarterbacks. But are they the same guy in terms of what you can expect to get out of them? Like, I don't know. I mean, because they, they kind of are, in a way, right? Like, there's a tremendous comp to be made between Jameis Winston and Kirk Cousins, who look nothing alike playing on the field. If you stuck them out there in blank uniforms, you would know instantly which one was which, because they have completely different styles. And yet, and yet, they're both essentially pretty average 
yet have the capability at times that don't make any sense to come out and look tremendously good and throw like four or five touchdown passes and just annihilate a team they have no business beating. And then also they sometimes come out and it's going to be like, oh, who's going to reach four interceptions first? Let's let's race. Let's see who gets there first. So they're weirdly similar um, in terms of like overall like vague performance metrics that don't exist. But I mean, vague performance metrics that don't exist are ultimately what decides a football game. Right, so we can talk about who's got the better arm, who's more accurate, and stats say this or that or the other. But in a game like this, where it's like essentially all things being equal in a lot of ways, and there's a weird rivalry between these two teams too. They have a lot of weird history, which is bizarre because they're not in the same division and they don't typically meet each other in like particularly important games. But they hate each other. So I don't know. Like, do you feel like Kirk Cousins is really going to go in for that? Does he care? I don't know. Maybe, maybe on a good day, on a very specific day where he is feeling, you know, you like me now, Kirk Cousins, that guy. Yeah, that guy's all in. But like, I lined up behind the guard, Kirk Cousins. Like, no, man, that guy Gary just wants to go home. So, and Jameis, who knows? Thirty thirty, right? Like, <laughs> it's like a very, very weird. I need thirty of average with spurts of incompetence and spurts of greatness that do not happen <laughs> according to any pattern. So in a way, they are the same person. I need That's that 30 to say today. <laughs> <laughs> like, apparently, this is, this is not my thesis. James Winston and Kirk Cousins are, in a way, the same person. Irby, uh, <laughs> <laughs> has she defended said thesis incredibly well? Are you buying what she's selling? Sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Um, I, I, it's the average bull. I don't. I, what do you want me to say? It's the average bull. Like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's pick it then. Samantha, who do you have here? Vikings or Saints? I flip a coin, man. I don't. Know. I can do that. Like, I can do that. I, I've got I my quarter right here. Honestly, like if if Jameis did not have like broken bones um, in a fairly critical part of the anatomy for playing in a football game, I would absolutely take the Saints. I guess I'll take the Vikings here, but I don't like it. But I, I also wouldn't like it if I took the Saints. So I got in my head, it's going to be a Kirk Cousins kind of week, I guess. <laughs> I got the quarter if you would like to do the flip em game. I've got it right here. I mean, yeah. Okay. All right. So what do you want to assign? Heads, 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 Vikings, tails, Saints, or vice versa? Um, yeah, head Vikings, tail Saints. Yeah, but home team will be tail. Oh, you just took the Saints. See? <laughs> no, I don't know if I like that. I don't know. All right. I will, res- I will respect the coin because of the season where we flipped a coin every week during our pick and pool, and the coin did just as well as the rest of us did. It's very humbling, by the way. Um, so I will, I will respect the coin since its performance is, is equal with that of apparently professional football analysts, <laughs> such as myself. I mean, worse for so, me. <laughs> follow me for more gambling tips. Uh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> okay, Irby, how about you? Who you picking here, Vikings or Saints? I, easy decision. It's the average bull. It's the Vikings, and that's solely because Samantha took the Saints. Oh, man. Now I've got to break the tie. Hang on, I'm going to flip a coin. Or do you need to break the tie? <laughs> you could just say tie. You could pick a tie, theoretically. Oh, you know what? I, I have to. I flipped the coin. It came back Saints. Oh, boy. 
Okay. Oh, the coin the coin is hard on the Saints here. Man, I suddenly really feel really good about my Vikings pick. Yeah, yeah well, I, I would like to point out that, that all the hurricane models had it hitting Tampa and it hit south, so that's either here or there. All right, real quick, before we get into our third game, a little, little uh, breaking news on the podcast. As we're recording, again, a reminder, we record these Wednesday night. Uh, Aaron Judge just hit number 61. And the best part about this, Samantha, is it went into the Jays' bullpen, and they've got a shot. Of the, <laughs> they've got a shot of the two fans that were in proximity to catch the ball, and both of them whiffed, and the reaction on their faces was priceless. <laughs> I mean, this is so great, right? This is such. A, this is the most baseball thing ever that we spent thirty minutes at the top of the show having an ethical debate about what to do with the ball, and it landed in the friggin' bullpen because somebody like whiffed on the catch. That's tremendous. Like, this is where we're like. Okay, you know what? And that's why you're not on a major league roster and why it's probably better. The decision is out of your hands. It's in the bullpen. Although, I swear to you, if one of those bullpen pitchers picked that thing up and went, like, um, possession is nine cents of the law, this is my ball now, I would never stop laughing. That would be amazing. <laughs> love to see that. I know that's bad form, and we don't believe in bad form in baseball unless for the Astros. But yes. I... <laughs> yeah, I mean, just absolutely incredible. Although I would caution that this is the home run that ties it, not the home run that breaks the record. So right. we're, we're still on the clock here for who ends up with the ball and what happens to it. But that is just absolutely freaking hilarious that it went into bullpen. Yeah. Also Tremendous. worth noting that the, the $2 million bounty was on home run 62, not 61. So that's also valid. Irby, thoughts here before we get into our last football game? I know, just yeah, what you said that about the fans watch the video. Neither like I a, a two for their effort. Like I, it's almost right? like they don't even it's realize awful. what they're reaching for. Like that's terrible on the effort. But um, to Smith at this point, also, wouldn't it be amazing if like the bullpen, like like whoever has that in the bullpen, if he was told earlier today that he's being DFNA'd after this game and is like, screw this, I'm keeping this ball and I'm getting my payday. Right. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> one more game before we get into our trade of the week. Uh, Bills are at the Ravens, Samantha, and obviously the Bills have to bounce back after losing to the Dolphins. Um, let's talk about Baltimore first because they're going to have to keep up, I would think, in this game, right? Like, like offensively speaking, I mean, you're going to have to win a shootout against the Bills, because I'm not so sure this defense can hold the Bills down enough where the Ravens wouldn't have to win a shootout. I guess it's the best way of putting it. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, I think that, look, the Bills ran 90 offensive plays last week in, like, extreme heat. 90. So the up-tempo thing, yeah, okay, backfired in this situation because, like, you were sitting, like, in a, like, I don't know, a panning bed. Um, or, no, way hotter than it is. <laughs> on the surface of the sun. You're on the bench on the surface of the sun um, at Hard Rock Stadium. Um, so they're really, really hard to keep up with when they get going, and I don't think there's any reason to think that they won't. We still have some questions about that Baltimore defense. Like, I would still assert that I think they are poorly coached and poorly schemed. Um, that's been a problem for them. They let teams come back on them. The Bills are not a team that you can afford to, like, go up on and then go to sleep. Like, they will just run up-tempo stuff, and they will wear you down, and 
then they will eat you alive at the end of the game. They also, weirdly, again, like we talked before the season started when we were talking about the Ravens, about like, well, there's no way you'll be that unlucky with regard to all the injuries they had a year ago in the secondary, particularly on that defense. And guess what, guys? It's happening again. It's not as bad, but it's happening again. That is concerning. So the Baltimore defense, is really going to have to show up in this game in a way that, in my opinion, they did not have to um, prior to this. And, and look what happened with Miami. Got in a shootout yeah. and lost. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's the only thing we have to go on right now. I mean, four weeks into the season, it's really tough to, like, get into, like, law of transitive property stuff because we don't really know where anybody is. But if that's what you have to go on, then, okay, well, you know, you, you lost the, the boat race against Miami, not, you're now going up against a team that's probably better than anybody else in the league when they do that. That makes me nervous if I'm the Ravens. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. Irby, how about you? What are you thinking here? Ravens against the Bills. I'm excited about this game. You know, this is the 2-1, uh, 2-1. and, one, two and one. Their only losses are Miami. Uh, the offense, you know, look at the peripherals of both these offenses and yes, lots of points, lots of points going to put on the board and, and the Ravens, um, you know, the defense is going to help out with that. The Ravens defense is going to make sure a lot of points are put on the board. The difference here is the bills defense is going to potentially slow down Baltimore. And I think that's the difference here. Um, I don't love, but, but we knew this would happen. I don't love when you look at this and both quarterbacks, not only leading the team in passing, but both lead the team in rushing. Never like that. It's, but, that that is the nature of these individuals. And um, I, I wish this game that everybody was a little healthier. Gabe Davis for the Bills, everybody for the Ravens, it seems like. You know, it would be great if all <laughs> yeah. healthy. But um, this suddenly, because of those each team with the losses to the Dolphins, this game actually becomes a little bit more important when we talk about later on in the season. Um, it's one of those that we – it won't be a big deal. Whoever loses this game coming out of it, especially if it's a tightly contested game, we're not going to sit here and go, oh, man, I'm Baltimore's done. They lost. It's like, no, they're still in this fight, but it's something that could factor in later on. So it is an important game in that aspect. But I high-scoring affair, the weather's going to participate, you know, is, is going um, to help us out with that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's great weather for it, so let's uh, – Let's let the track meet begin, you know, because that's kind of what we want to see with these teams is is a track meet. Well, okay, Samantha, let's talk about the Bills defensively. Uh, they obviously built this defense around two safeties, and one's out for the year, the other one's banked up. So, how much of a concern is it that they have that they suddenly have safety problems, considering how they built this defense? Well, it's less of a concern here than it was against Miami um, because the reason that defense was built the way that it was with the, to focus on the, the two high shell was really about them expecting to meet Kansas city with Patrick Mahomes and Tyree kill in the postseason. So obviously that's no longer on the table. We saw it go up against Miami to a different animal than Patrick Mahomes, of course, but Tyree kill still there. And we have no idea. We know that ultimately it improved how they performed against Kansas City a year ago, but ultimately they were unable to beat them um, in a game where you can kind of argue that nobody won. It was like last man standing in the postseason. Right, yeah. But so it 
told us something, I think, about what went up against Miami, about the fact that they had really, really put all of their eggs into kind of one proverbial basket, and if the guys are healthy, then that's great. But you need to have a contingency plan, um, and it makes me a little bit nervous. Um, that said, I don't think you're expecting to have your defensive roster decimated in that way um, in week three, um, very suddenly and irreparably. So I, I don't want to say I think it's like a failed experiment or like the whole thing is coming apart. But like the good thing is, is like that's not really what Baltimore does, offensively speaking. So it's not going to be a problem here the way that it was a week ago against Miami, the way that it would be in the games where essentially you built this to win. Baltimore was not the team that you were trying to compete with, their style of offense, not the thing you were trying to compete with when you structured your defense the way that you did. So that's the good news. The bad news is there's more people out of the lineup for the Bills defensively than just the two safeties. Like, we don't even know fully at this point, this is Wednesday again, um, for whenever you're listening to this, this is Wednesday. We don't really have anything definitive in terms of injury reports. So you have like probably six people who could be critical to this defense. And we don't know if they're going to be out there or not. A number of people we know won't be out there. A number of people we know they will. But there's still a lot up in the air at this point. And how do you adjust? And, and do you have the depth to do that? And because you are a bend-don't-break defense, you have a little bit of an advantage there in the sense that um, I think against a team like Baltimore that is not necessarily just going to like run go routes on you all day and like just wear you out going downfield, sure. But I, I just worry about the volume of injuries on this defense. It's not really even about the way it's structured or who's out. There's just a point of no return where too many people are hurt in a unit. And, like, your second team probably isn't good enough to defend against one of the better offensive teams in the conference. Irby, same question to you. What's your concern level with the, uh, the the key injuries the Bills have on defense? I Pretty high, yeah. It, it's it, Samantha, you make a great point about this, that it's not just the secondary, but that is what's going to get a lot of the, um, the publicity. I mean, that, that, is, that is big, and, and it played a factor – this past weekend, so I, I mirror exactly what she said. I, I, there's no point in jumping in anything else there, but no, it, it, it is definitely a concern. The, the positive for Buffalo is that it's happening in week three, week four. You know, you, you have plenty of time, and we've seen that with organizations that when you're close like this, when you're good like this, you, you can adjust. You have plenty of time, and, and, and I shouldn't even say just an organization like this. You have plenty of time. It's not like this is happening week 15 and you're going into the postseason tripping over your own feet. You know, you're, you're going, you've got plenty of time to put this together. And, and so I, yeah, but, it, but, but in the grand scheme of things right now, yes, it is a concern. It is a legit concern, but there's plenty of time to figure this out. All right, Samantha, let's pick this one. Who do you have here? Bills or Ravens? All right, well, I'll echo whatever one of you, I think it was Arby, said earlier, which is that, like, look, there are, there are some far-reaching implications for this game in some ways. In other ways, I think, like, this is a game where if you lose, as long as you don't, like, embarrass yourself, it's kind of fine, right? Like, nobody, we're not panicking about right. either of these teams if they don't win this game. So that's good news um, for anybody who's nervous about it. Uh, the bad news is that it does still matter who wins these because they all matter. Um, that being said, as much as I, I am extremely nervous about the condition of the defense right now, I just don't like this matchup for Baltimore, even with the hobbled defense. I just don't think they can keep up with the tempo stuff that Buffalo does so well. And even though, yeah, they're 
able to play that way. I just don't think there's really anybody at seven. Maybe Pat Mahomes. Um, definitely Pat Mahomes. I'll be fair to him and respectful. They definitely Pat Mahomes who can keep up with Josh Allen when you're playing that type of football. So yeah, if it's a race to the finish and it probably will be, then give me Josh Allen and the Bills. Irby, how about you? What are you taking here? All right, same thing, Bills. Like I said, track meet. I think we have a track meet coming up, and the Bills defense has has the personnel. They have the uh, the the overall defense that can make that stop when they need to, or or, or simply force more threes than sixes. Um, that will be the difference in this game. So yeah, I've got the Bills and a high scoring affair. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you for exactly what you just said there, Irby. Like I, I think that the, the the Ravens are going to be able to move the ball in between the twenties. Uh, I don't think that they're going to be able to put the ball in the end zone as much as they need to to win this game. I would also like to point out too, like one 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 thing, one observation I have for Buffalo is like I expect them to have clunkers like they had against the Dolphins, if you want to call that a clunker. Uh, I don't expect them to have them in back to back weeks. Like this is a team that's probably going to lose three or four games, but it's going to be spread out over the season. I don't think they're going to lose back to back weeks. That's year. a great point. I think that's a really good point. You know, so. Anyway, all right. So uh, one more thing on the docket there, Samantha, is we have to remember our trade for this week. Do you want to run our our new listeners through what we're doing here with Let's Remember Some Trades? Yeah, real quickly, because I know we still have some some new folks coming in here. Uh, Let's Remember Some Trades uh, is the interactive element. Uh, We do a a couple different segments like this. Right now, this has been the segment for this baseball season. And what we're doing here is giving you guys an opportunity. If you've ever played Let's Remember Some Guys, um, certainly a favorite among uh, baseball nerds such as ourselves and probably amongst you all as well if you have made it this far into this show. Uh, Right. (laughs) So it's just like Let's Remember Some Guys, except it's a little more complicated uh, because we are trying to remember some trades. So uh, the rules are as follows. Uh, I give these guys one of the teams involved in the trade. We also give them the year and the time of year, so winter meetings, spring training, trade deadline, what have you. One of the teams involved, they have to get the other team and all of the players involved, if possible, then we'll give a little bit of fun history involved with the trade, the teams, whatever we've got for you this week. And the only other caveat that we place on this is that we kind of wanted to make this so that it was trades that only go back, essentially, as far as like we could realistically have witnessed. Um, so we're not doing trades from like before we were born. So we're going back to 1988. Um, anything between then and 2021, uh, is fair game. So if you are about our age, a little younger, maybe a little older, um, you should probably be in about the same bucket as us. So that's the range, um, for when these trades have taken place. So that said, last week we went back to 2015 we're only dialing the time machine back. We're going to get into DeLorean, but we're only going back one more year from there uh, to 2014, which has been, if you've been following Ollie Gagging for a long time, we've revisited this year along with 2012 a lot. Uh, there were a lot of really interesting trades this particular year, especially at the deadline. And this is also a deadline deal. This took place on the day, so July 31st, 2014. It was a deal that was made right at the deadline. And one of the teams involved in this deal was the St. Louis Cardinals. So, fellas, mm-hmm. hand it over to you. What do you want to know? Ooh. Cardinals in 2014, Irvy. They're buyers. 
Of course they're buyers. Well, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Good. Sometimes we got that right out of the gate. We know who the buyer is. Okay. Um, Who'd they buy, <laughs> though? Oh, it's man. not a dramatic buy. I, I will say we have some buys that are very clear cut. Um, it's also not one of those where someone thinks they're a buyer and we're all shaking our heads after the fact and going, oh, you thought, oh that's what you thought you were doing? Um, no, no, this is, they're definitely the buyer here, um, although it's a, a tad underwhelming. Although, um, let's say this did help them somewhat. It did help them. Mm. Man. This is gonna be a good one, Irby. I, I the hell, what the hell did they buy in 2014 at the deadline? So I, I'm trying to think back. Okay, so 2013 is when they lost to the Red Sox in the World Series. Correct. So this is this is your next season. They're still utterly dominating that division. Yeah. Um, but they didn't make the, they made the postseason, but they're not a World Series again. No, they um, lost in the NLCS to San Francisco that year. Okay, okay. They, they, they won the Central. It wasn't even but, year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was true. an even year, so you should know who won the World Series was the Giants. Uh, but uh, the Cardinals did make it all the way to the NLCS this year. And they were, yes, the World Series opponent of the Red Sox year before that. Okay. Trying to... So this is... This is... Pujols is gone. This is during... That holiday days. Yes. Yachty. Um, yeah. Wayno. Um, Wayno. Well, not early, I guess. Mid career. Wayno. Uh, <laughs> That's the. Uh, okay. Was this bullpen? Do they do they fortify the bullpen with this? They did not. Okay. It's typically what they do. That a rotation. Okay, so let's all right. So team teams, uh, or is it team going back? Team, team. There's team, only one of the team teams in this. This is actually a relatively simple trade. There's a small number of players involved. Um, they were all major leaguers. Yes, all major league players involved in this one. Oh, um, okay. Wow. Okay. Um, are they just receiving one piece? Um, the Cardinals. Cardinals, yes. No, uh, they're receiving. Yeah, well, oh yes, the Cardinals. Sorry, yes, the Cardinals are receiving one piece. Yes, okay. they're trading for a specific individual to address a specific need. Okay. Um, well, definitely. I mean, <laughs> it definitely wasn't catcher. We know that. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I, and and yes, <laughs> I mean, thinking through the Cardinals is it's I hedge my bet a little bit and said that they're probably doing this to acquire pitching. Yes. So there's a, okay. So there's a already told you it's, it's already not really a reliever. So it's a starter. So, yeah. Starter. Was, okay. was this a rental or is it was this someone that had more years on a contract? Um, it's not Ooh, a full-blown rental. Um, this person is around for one more year after this. So not a true rental, but okay. definitely pretty short-term. Hmm. Um, and, and how did they do? Was this a... <laughs> Fine. Um, they fine. Fine. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, okay. But, it, but it's an interesting trade because of the people, and I'm not going to say quite yet how many people, but I should tell you that of the people, and I told you it was a relatively small number, um, mm -hmm. they 
won six World Series on five different teams between them, the people involved in this trade. Wow. Okay. And one of them is still active. So, so far, six World Series, five teams. One of them ain't going to happen this year. There's another hint. But uh, <laughs> one of them still around um, and will not be going to a World Series this year, if we already know that, but could, could in the future still. So. Um, although all college players, so if that helps you at all. Irby, I'll be honest with you, man. I am blanking. Um, I okay, so I'm I'm yeah, it's a starting pitcher they got. So so Wayno's on this team. Wasn't they? Wasn't Lance Lynn a starter on this team? Yeah, Lance Lynn. Okay, w- so then that means Shelby um, Miller. Was he up at this point? Yeah, but the guy you're looking for would be the third postseason starter. Um, he may have actually even come out of the pen in this postseason, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, oh. But yeah, this is a person who was acquired to be that third starter, essentially. Okay. That's so Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. Trade deadline, get a third starter. <laughs> okay, so, all right, so starting pitcher. I'll, all right, so let's work on the team. Yeah. Yeah, the other team um, who's giving up pitcher. I, I mean, is it is it a straight buyer seller, or is this team what the pieces they're getting back feel like they're rebuilding, or that they're making yeah. a run with it? So this is a team that is basically dead for this particular season, but is absolutely looking to make a quick turnaround and come back the following season. So they're not taking prospects back. They're not taking junk back to do a salary dump. They're looking to fortify their future quickly and move on from a guy who's kind of not working out for them and who is probably costing them money that they don't want to pay because they are out of the running, but they don't expect to be out long. So it's not a true strict buyer-seller. It's a more of the buyer, more of the seller situation. I, just, I feel like I've got four talent. teams in the AL that believe they can do that all the time. <laughs> okay, it's probably one, one of the ones you're thinking of because oh. it is a team that does this. So, I mean, who are the four teams you're thinking of? Um, I, I the four teams I'm thinking of are are the uh, the Angels, the White Sox, the Red Sox, and the Phillies. Okay, um, you did mention the team that it is. Okay. Um, interestingly, this person played for two of the teams that you mentioned at different points of his career. Don't tell me that. It makes it harder. Now I'm going to get confused. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, see, I was thinking A's, but I was clearly wrong. No, no, the A's, because no, the A's don't try to do the quick turnaround. Teams like the Boston, Chicago, the Angels, and Philly, they try to do these the quick turnaround where it's like, okay, we're not winning this year. Let's give this piece up, even if it's controllable, to get back controllable pieces to start winning next year. And okay. you said so, they're getting back. Do we know if they're getting back pitching oh, or offense? It was the White Sox, wasn't it? No, I was no. just about to tell you. I was about to give you the what I thought was the easy hint, which is throw out the White Sox because they're not that competitive at this point in time. 
So okay. if you're looking for somebody who would be expecting to be quite competitive in 2015, which should actually not be the White Sox. This is uh, Twins and Indians territory um, around right. the, okay. Yeah. Okay. that okay. division. So yeah, throw out the White Sox. Although interestingly, oh. one of these people, there is a White Sox connection in this trade. Uh, there, there is a connection that refers to something I said to you earlier, but they're not part of this trade now. So go back to the others uh, that you were discussing. Cause there's Billy... You did have it. You said LA Boston, and Boston and LA. So, and LA also has a connection to this trade. Um, the person going to the Cardinals also played for LA at one point. Um, that is not this trade, however. Actually, wait, did he, he play? Yeah, he played for LA at one point. The Angels, not the Dodgers. So is it's not LA. I think it's Boston. No. It is Boston. You're right. It's okay. Boston. Uh, okay. Yeah, now who do they yeah. trade, though? <laughs> I know why you're doing this trade. <laughs> you knew I'd work with him, This is great. We have not talked about him all season. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Okay, so Ernie, uh, you clearly have it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn the floor over to you, my friend. Uh, oh. Well, before he, before we explain to you why he knows why I did this, let's talk about the the starting pitcher going to the Cardinals um, from Boston. Since you guys have established that already, we'll get to my personal feelings in a minute. It's not actually about this particular player. So, Irby, um, do you want to tell him who it is? Um, we'll give you you know, right? You know who this is going going to the Cardinals. The Cardinals. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, so you know who this is. All right, so last chance before he tells you a couple hints. Um, we mentioned that this person played for the Angels, um, obviously Boston, St. Louis as well. This person also makes it an appearance at the end of their career with the Cubs. Um, he has three World Series titles, guys, three of them. One in Los Angeles, one in Boston, and one with the Chicago Cubs. Herbie? Definitely not one with the Angels. So, um, yeah, this would be, uh, this player is actually a source of contention with my wife and I because he is from the hometown of yes, Abilene, Texas, mm-hmm. that my, my wife is from. And a few times while pitching for the Angels against my Rangers, I wanted to run on the field and beat his little. Sorry. Yeah, but no. It's John Lackey. Not a. Yep. So won a World Series in 2002 with the Angels, 13 with Boston, 16 with the Chicago Cubs, none with the St. Louis Cardinals. So this trade didn't work out that well. But as we mentioned, he did fine for them uh, in the year in which they lose the NLCS to the San Francisco Giants, who were, of course, ordained by fate because it was an even year to win the World Series. Not much you can do about that. But let's talk about who is going back to Boston in exchange for him. Um, Irby, do you know all the pieces of this trade, or do you just know the extra special, um, super important one? I, I know that, um, I know two. Is it just okay, two? There are only two. Yeah. Yes, so then I know, then I know. You've got the whole thing. All right. Yep. So let's see what we can get, um, for all of you playing along at home and also for Bo here. Um, we'll start Thanks. with the one I think people are less, <laughs> what? Why do you think? You don't want to. You don't want to figure it out. You don't want to play along with people at home. <laughs> he wants to play along. He does. I know he does. The he super does. emotional connection is not John Lackey. 
<laughs> yeah, it's not John Lackey. I do not have any personal connection to John Lackey. In fact, I don't even like John Lackey. Um, also, I have no personal connection to the third guy. You know, there is one guy in this who I think you're less likely to get. Um, the, the other one is deeply important. Um, I'm personally very attached to this person. This person is still in Major League Baseball, by the way, and you love him too, both of you. Irby, you'll confirm. Bo, you don't know it yet, but you love this person. We all <laughs> love this person. He's a treasure. Love him. And the other dude in this is somebody who definitely you will remember, but who is like very forgettable um, in like the annals of baseball. Unremarkable uh, player. So, well, that's um, part of the problem when you have two first names. It is true. He does have two first names. Um, you could flip it around, which I have done. This is like a Cam Jordan, Jordan Cameron situation where I'm like, I looked yeah. at it several times. I'm like, it is that way, right? Not the other way. Like, am I sure? Am I doing this right? Like, um, especially because the way he spells his first name is the way that people typically spell it when it's the last name. So um, that's further adding some more confusion. And the last name, of course, would be the same whether it was your first or your last name. So. All kinds of weird first name, last name stuff going on. The other player involved in this, the super special important one, um, also he has a first name, first name situation. Um, his last name could be a first name. First name's not, well, actually, yeah, it is. If you use his full name, he's also a first name, last name guy. So you could, you, if you use his full first name, which he does not go by, but if you used it, you could flip his around too, and it would also be a person's first name and a person's last name. Just to add to the confusion. Yeah, um, we significantly confused you, though. You feel more confused than you did at the beginning. Uh, of course I do. All right, well, then we've done our duty. <laughs> or our work question. here is done. Um, but anyway, Bo, now you all at home, um, unless I know you personally, um, would have no reason to know why I would pick this trade specifically. But Bo, you might be able to get it. Um, I am deeply attached to this person. You two are attached to this person. We're, in a way, all attached to this person. He's a hero to baseball. He has did his part to write an injustice that Major League Baseball itself was unwilling to address. So this man, oh, that man, if you will, of baseball, I need a hero. matters into his own hands and said, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to deal with Carlos Correa all on my own. And you're all going to love it. And guess oh. what? You can suspend me, but you won't <laughs> stop me. I've begun a revolution. Who is this man? Bo Reed, who is this man? <laughs> See? I thought you were going with Mike Fears because of like the whole the hero we needed, but... Oh, also a hero. Yeah, also, <laughs> also a hero. A hero. Not a first name, last name guy. Also um, a hero. But, you know but ki- also, also a hero. However, this person is extra special because this person was a hero of mine for other reasons before he was a hero in the Astro scandal. He was also a hero when he was on the Red Sox, which is where he's going now in this particular trade. Um, this man is going to go on to start a very interesting dust-up on the field, get himself suspended, and then he's going to throw on a Hawaiian shirt, and he's going to buy a ticket, and he's going to sit in stands and take in his own team's game from the stands because he has been suspended, which is the moment at which this man became one of my biggest personal heroes, and then he just cemented it even further with his addictive and necessary actions against the Houston Astros. You know, Joe Joe Kelly got around. He sure did. He sure did in the best way. All right. We love Joe Kelly. I love Joe Kelly more than anything. 
this is like one of those ones I get asked about where people are like, if Joe Kelly was pitching against the Indians in the post, and that, no, okay, no, 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 calm down. I don't love anything that much. I don't love anything more than the <laughs> Guys, no, like, let's not get crazy. But otherwise, yes, huge Joe Kelly fan, as are we all. He is a hero. He is technically a starting pitcher at this time, um, which is why I was really grateful you guys didn't ask me, well, is this a bullpen piece? Because it's like, well, he's a bullpen piece now, but at the time they thought he was a starter, so it's a little bit difficult to say. So he would have been traded as a starter. He obviously goes on to be a reliever for the bulk of his career, but he was a starter here. Um, So that is one piece of this. Um, Somebody who Boston, of course, expects to use the following year. Um, As we mentioned earlier, they are a team that's looking for a quick bounce back, so um, looking for sort of pieces that can perform Pretty quickly. Um, and Joe Kelly would have been, let's see, 680 years. So he would have been, what, 26 at the time? So pretty young, um, but certainly an established uh, major leader to an extent, um, was a starter with the Cardinals. So we have one more gentleman uh, involved in this trade. Um, this is our first name, last name guy, Joseph Kelly. Kelly Joseph, also a first name, last name guy. Um, but this other guy, um, Mo, do you want to take a stab at this? Or, Irby, are you going to tell us who he is? Um, any I, thoughts? Would you like a hint? He has the same first name as a, like, sort of washed Rams receiver who's a Penn State alum. Um, and he has the same last name as a guy whose first name is this, who played the Astros before we fully understood how much we needed the Astros. <laughs> Another one, uh, Bo, so this Dodgers one. closer who got demoted? Uh, for, for 2011, this individual was yeah, on the yeah. Cardinals team and was mm-hmm. part of, yeah, that had a good is. series during that final seven-game series of the season. We don't need to yeah. that. One, I will, of those six, one of those six World Series that I mentioned that these guys won between them, um, he was just, he only has one, and that is the one. It's the 2011. I'm not saying that man's mm-hmm. name. I'm not going to do it. No. Go ahead, or It's not the obvious no, one. It's not that no, 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 it's not no, that it's not, it's not it's, that one. It's just a person who had a productive series. It's not. Uh, yeah, he. That's okay. not not him. No, no, <laughs> no, no. We're not going to make you say that Jose made the work. He had multiple. <laughs> Did he have like three home runs in that series? Like he, he was. Yeah. 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 Four actually. He saw one though. But, yeah. Bo and I actually were at Game Three uh, when Albert game. hit his three home runs. Uh, this mm-hmm. individual also hit a home run that night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even See, I believe he would have been an outfielder in that yes. game, if I'm remembering yes. correctly. He's, he's also a first baseman, but he would have been playing outfield at the time. So, um, if you wonder what we spend, this is, I know it's weird. It's really weird that we know all this. I know. But this is what we spend all of our free time on. And this is why we have a podcast mm-hmm. this, because we spend a lot of time memorizing weird things like this. Um, but anyway. Bo, would you like to tell us who he is, or would you like Erdy to tell? You know, <laughs> all I remember is Alexei Gondo laying one right over the middle of the plate in Pulo Sifer's third home run. So I'm going to defer to Irby on this one. Yeah, it's not Albert Pujols. <laughs> yeah. Not Albert Pujols. Right. I know. <laughs> no, this... uh, not traded to Boston at any point in his career. Uh... <laughs> this would be uh, a, a outfield individual who, yeah, came on the scene pretty quick and disappeared almost as quickly, but one Alan Craig. Oh, right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> I would have gotten, hearts. I would not have gotten that then, in a million years, man. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the toughest piece of this. So, um, but okay, good job, you guys. Yeah, you, you got this one. Good job. Um, quick housekeeping on these guys. Um, we pretty much talked about where John Lackey went. Um, we also mentioned, of course, that the three of those six World Series, which is one of the things I think is the most notable about this trade, is the number of World Series and the number of different teams on from these three individuals, none of whom are like Hall of Famers by any stretch. So it's pretty remarkable that there are this many World Series rings involved with this group. John Lackey's got three of them. Joe Kelly's got two of them, one with Boston in 2018, one with Dodgers in 2020. And then, of course, Alan Craig with the St. Louis Cardinals in 2011. So Lackey, we've already talked about where he went, um, ultimately ends up with the Cubs. His career ends in 2017 when he retires from the Cubs. Um, Joe Kelly, of course, was in St. Louis starting in 2012 and 2014. He spent four years in Boston, three years in Los Angeles. He is now with the White Sox, um, and he's got those two World Series as well. Um, and then finally, of course, uh, UC Berkeley alum, Alan Craig, uh, St. Louis, four years there, two years in Boston, a uh, couple of years in San Diego, a uh, very brief call-up in 2018. Uh, he then retired and now works as an advisor. So one of those fake baseball jobs, it's not really a job, you know, uh, to the ops department for the Padres. I don't even know if he still holds this position. Padres people get at us and let us know uh, on Twitter if you know for a fact that this is true. But he did hold one of these sort of like faux jobs like we give to these guys who don't really have any coaching ability. But, uh, you know, it's nice that they get to stay employed. So he is vaguely connected to the Padres. As far as we know, Joe Kelly is, of course, still pitching. I don't know what John Lackey is doing. Irby, maybe your wife knows. So, and Boston, of course, does indeed uh, bounce back the following year. Uh, it takes them a, a little bit longer uh, to get where they need to go, but they do begin to bounce back. Uh, the Cardinals fall into a slight decline after this, but still pretty respectable organization. Don Lackey, obviously not really part of the equation for any of that. And Alan Craig, of course, fades into obscurity as most... Uh, Infield, outfield, utility type gentlemen tend to do. Um, lovely of the Padres to, to give him work um, so that he can, uh, you know, uh, continue to be gainfully employed, uh, vaguely in the baseball sphere. But uh, that's it for this week, guys. <laughs> All right. Fun trade. Irby, anything on this before we go? No, no, no. That was a good one. Thank you. That was that was well, John, well done getting your Joe Kelly in there. It, had to know it was coming, so you knew it was coming well done. Earlier. Yes, well done, everybody listening. That yes, Joe Kelly is a hero of ours. All right. Well, listen. If uh, if you like hanging out with us, you like lollygagging with us, go ahead and give us a nice little rating there on the podcast app, so we can make some inroads with this algorithm and get more people involved with the show. But for this week, that's it. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Until next week, watch some baseball. It's good for you. <laughs>